You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 90. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we answer two listener questions this week. The first is on a large U.S. real estate investment trust, American Tower Corporation, symbol AMT on the New York Stock Exchange, which owns and leases a portfolio of approximately 170,000 cell towers globally. A listener asks us if this REIT is a good way to play the expansion and rollout of 5G technology. Our second Your Stock, Our Take is on a profitable microcap known as Destiny Media Technologies, Inc., symbol DSY on the TSX Venture. The company provides software as a service or SaaS solutions to businesses in the music industry, solving critical problems in distribution and promotion. With the company posting strong earnings growth in 2019, a listener asks us our take on the stock. Our star of the week is Cash Rich, a Cash Rich International, but TSX listed energy producer, Perex Resources Inc. PXT is the symbol on the TSX. Perex is engaged in the exploration, development, production, and marketing of oil and natural gas in Colombia. The stock is up 27% in the past month. We will let you know why. So again, I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Aaron and uh, Brennan. How are you two doing today? Excellent. Excellent. Looking forward to, uh, to a busy year. Yeah, I'm doing well. Happy New Year. Good holidays. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to be back. Definitely. Yeah, we were missing Aaron on the the last podcast on the intro, but uh, but yeah, so so yeah, the, well uh, that I mean that's why we had such a smooth intro last time, right? So you know, <laughs> it's it's good it's exactly. good to at least make it you know make it less smooth this time, right, Aaron? Well, I mean now that I'm here, it'll it'll be smoother, of of course. <laughs> oh, of course, you're trying to flip it on me, I guess. I right? actually didn't listen to no. it to it last time, so apparently it sounds like it was pretty bad, but. <laughs> Well, it was actually the highest rated podcast in our history. So I, I'm, not, I'm not saying <laughs> I'm that surprised you invited me You back. did have a segment at the end, though. You did have a segment. Aaron had a, a few audio difficulties last week, but he endeavored. He powered through. He gave us a segment at the end, which was great. And I'd like to say, Aaron, you had a question from a uh, listener in one of our uh, chat sessions that we do each week, our online Q&A chat sessions, analyst hosted. It was on whether or not one of our clients should be targeting stocks that have higher yields, for example, in the 7 to 14% range, but are unlikely to have much dividend growth. Uh, I think you provided an answer to that uh, client, but I think it'd be instructive for our listeners to just tell them exactly you know, what you said. Yeah, I think that's a. I think it's a really good subject to to start the year here. It's something that I hear a lot. Investors come to me. They say, you know, there's this company with a 12, 15 percent, sometimes twenty percent yield. 
you know, as long as they continue to pay it, is it not a good idea just to just to invest in companies like that? And what I have always said is that I'd be very cautious um, when it comes to companies paying very high yields. I wouldn't chase yields. I think that's a bad idea. Generally speaking, once yields get beyond seven or eight percent, that often indicates high risk. Now, there are some select situations where you might have a company yielding more than that, where it actually does provide good value and the dividend is sustainable. But you really have to be able to dig into the company at that point and, and determine whether or not um, whether or not they will be able to sustain that payout. So this particular this particular question also this particular person also asked um, specifically about an oil and gas company that was that was paying a yield of fourteen percent and if that were something to to get into. So personally, you can find a lot of high yields in the oil and gas space, but I really don't like the oil and gas companies as dividend pairs. Certainly not as a dividend that I think you can rely on long term because it's such a high risk industry um, and what you'll find is a lot of these companies are overpaying and they have to they have to make up the shortfall by issuing shares or 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 increasing their debt so we'd be very cautious usually i think most of the better opportunities exist in the two two percent to seven percent yield area that's where you can find some some good companies some good dividend growth stocks and for an overall portfolio for an you know, moderate risk investor generating just pure income, I think that you could, you know, realistically say three and a half to four percent. So if you want to live off of just the income, then that's going to be about 35, 40,000 per year off of a million of invested capital if you're just living off the income. But if you're investing in companies that are increasing their their dividends, um, that are generating capital appreciation as well, then you can not only uh, make up for inflation, but you can also liquidate some of your holdings if you have to to generate more income um, without uh, without really depressing the value because you're just liquidating some of the the capital gains. So that's the strategy that we would take. We would go for for companies that are paying lower yields or moderate size yields, but that are actual growth stocks and able to grow those dividends over time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's it's a great topic to discuss and you mentioned in there specifically the the client was talking about like a business that is energy related any commodity based businesses typically uh, dividend payers that are in the commodity based are based off of commodities in most cases we see the dividend as more of a bonus uh, because you are you're subject to the underlying commodity uh, we say this all the time the Management can do everything right. If the commodity craters or goes against them, uh, their margins can be squeezed and that dividend can become difficult to pay. So uh, in those cases, you know, a high yielder in that segment, uh, we consider it high risk, typically, generally speaking. You have to look at each individual case on a case-by-case basis uh, when you evaluate your investment on an individual stock. But just generally, that's what we would look at. Um, but you know, we Aaron said you know the sweet spot maybe between two and seven percent there. Uh, we just released like a re recommendation on a company Aaron just put out that had uh, roughly seven percent dividend yield, uh, but the share price increase just in the last uh, few weeks has uh, you know it's been in the fifteen to twenty percent range. So even with a you know seven percent dividend. Over time, with dividend growth stocks, you're looking for a lot, a good deal of your return to come from the still the uh, the capital gain that you're making on the stock too, and we've already seen that in that company. 
Yeah, most of the most of the return we would want to yeah. see from capital gains and dividend growth, and that yield is just it's a nice source of income, an extra yeah, return. You can buy a stock with a two three percent dividend if it's a dividend grower and the stock grows over time and the and the dividend grows over time. Like your from your effective purchase price, the yield can go up significantly over time to where it becomes in that you know fourteen fifteen percent range. Uh, from your initial purchase, so and you've already had a capital gain in the stock. I mean, that's ideally what you're looking for, uh, and it provides you likely a better return over time than a stock that is paying a 10 to 15 percent dividend or so, or or in that range. So, uh, we're not a slave to just the yield. Obviously, on the stock, you're looking at the business, and if it can grow that dividend from a three percent range higher over time, you likely do better in the underlying stock, and you do better effectively in the dividend over time if it keep increasing from your uh, purchase price. Well, if you think of it this way, and if you think of it this way, if a company is increasing its dividend 15% um, per year, then that dividend is going to double every five years. So, you know, if you have a 3% yield, um, you're going to be generating a lot more income five years out, 10 years out even, if they can maintain that growth rate. And we've seen that in a number of the companies that we actually have recommended over the past decade. Uh, we've seen that uh, process happen, and it is very rewarding for shareholders when it does happen. So uh, I think that's a great topic, and we can continue and expand on that in further shows. Uh, now, for our first Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. We're going to look at American Tower Corporation, AMT, on the New York Stock Exchange. Aaron, I'm going to let you dig into that company. Excellent. Yes. So American Tower Corporation, this is a real estate investment trust in the U.S. market. It trades at a price of $228. It's a $100 billion market cap company, and it pays a yield of 1.7%. American Tower, what they do is they own and they lease a portfolio of approximately 170,000 cell towers globally. Uh, They lease their towers to wireless service providers who in turn install equipment on the towers to support their own wireless networks. About 40,000 of the company's towers are in the United States, and they also have a large presence in India and Brazil. The listener's question was whether or not American Tower was really a 5G play or just an overpriced REIT. Well, for those that need a refresher, 5G is fifth generation wireless network. The current state of the art right now is 4G, and 5G is expected to have download speeds of between, between 10 to 100 times faster than 4G. The deployment of 5G is just starting now, and it's expected to produce a tremendous amount of economic value over the next decade and facilitate advancing technologies like Internet of Things and robotics. American Tower is partially a 5G play. The deployment of 5G will increase demand for the company's existing infrastructure. In addition, over time, continued growth in data usage will increase demand for infrastructure um, that American Tower is well positioned to to, um, provide and continue to, to, to expand upon. I say the company is a partial play in 5G because I want to temper people's expectations. Although 5G is in the beginning phase of deployment right now, 4G networks will continue to carry the vast majority of data usage for several years to come. I believe that American Tower will benefit from 5G, but I don't necessarily expect there to be a huge uptick in growth anytime over the next 6 to 18 months. American Tower did release their Q3 2019 financial results on October 31st. Total revenue was up 9.4% to $1.9 billion. Adjusted 
funds from operation or AFFO per share, which is like a proxy for free cash flow was up 9.7% to $1.93 for the quarter. And the company is expecting uh, adjusted funds from operations per share of about $7.87 for the full year in 2019, which puts the valuation at about 29 times uh, AFFO. AFFO historically has grown at a rate of about 14%, um, but based on management's guidance, it's going to be flat in 2019. So overall, I think that American Tower is a fine company. It does provide exposure to 5G, but I would temper expectations as I don't believe that there's necessarily going to be any massive upticks um, in, in the near future. More than likely, 5G will just provide a good base of opportunities from which the company can continue to grow um, at close to its historical rate. From a valuation perspective, the company appears to be trading at close to fair value. I wouldn't consider it particularly expensive or cheap relative to U.S. stocks with similar fundamentals. Um, we would like to see it grow close to its historical rate of about 14% to justify the valuation. If it does, then um, that valuation is justified. But if that growth slows, then um, it might be a little bit overvalued or at least fair, fairly valued. Yeah, I think it looks like a stock to monitor at this stage, and uh, with you know the growth rate really isn't there to justify a significant more premium on the multiples. So I think we just monitor it, and if we did see some impetus for growth going forward, then it may be a stock we might look at. Okay, we're going to look at our second your stock our take. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call your stock our take buy, sell, or hold. That is a significantly smaller company, a microcap, Destiny Media Technologies, symbol DSY on the TSX Venture, currently trades at $1.30. Its market cap is $14 million. Now, what does the company do? Destiny Media Technologies provides software as a service or SaaS solutions to businesses in the music industry, solving critical problems in distribution and promotion. The core service, Play MPE, provides promotional music marketing to engaged networks of decision makers in radio, film, and TV. Customers range from small independent artists to small to large independent record labels to the major record labels such as Universal Music, Warner Music, and Sony Music. Now let's look at the recent financial numbers from this company. 2018 revenues in U.S. dollars were about 3.8 million, up from 3.6. So 5.5% growth for the year, uh, not a high level of growth. Uh, and they are in U.S. dollars, but uh, the profitability was flat for the year, relatively flat, at six cents in terms of earnings, up from six cents, or just in the same range of six cents in the same period last year. Now, its core product did have a little bit higher level of uh, revenue growth, around 9.1% for Play MPE. The increases in revenue for Play MPE were driven by expanded major record label use in Europe and in the U.S. Now, in the fourth quarter, adjusted revenue was up about 8.9%. Year-over-year, adjusted EBITDA, EBITDA sorry, was down 20.6%, and adjusted EPS is down 26% uh, in the quarter. FFO rose slightly to 2.2%, up 2.2% in the quarter. Now, our take on this, Destiny is a profitable, solid little business, with little being the operative word in the contest of the North American public markets. 
We like the business and the increase in the recurring revenues is encouraging. As it stands, 49% of the company's revenue is recurring out of the 98 out of which 98% is coming from self-service deals with major labels rather than independent labels. This is a strong recurring revenue base of which to add activity-based revenue streams uh, on top of. Now, it has a strong balance sheet for a company of its size with some cash to continue its expansion plans. In terms of valuation, company trades for 16 times adjusted earnings and about 11 and a half times adjusted earnings when we account for the large cash balance for a company of its size. Uh, the multiples are a discount to the average market multiple, but the discount is justified based on the size of the business and the lack of earnings growth. Uh, revenue was up around only 5.5% or 5.5% in 2019. Now, we like the business and the balance sheet, but the company's small relative size and lack of significant revenue growth or earnings growth in the last year has Keystone ranking the shares as close to fair value in the near term. We monitor it and we will adjust or we will uh, include it in our upcoming cash rich special report. But at this stage, we would just be monitoring the company. I, I think it's pretty pretty worrying when you see declines of over 20% in adjusted EBITDA in the quarter, and you, you really want to make sure as an investor, if you're looking at a company like that, that you understand what's going on with the earnings and you know maybe just take a, take a step back and see what happens um, if they're able to, to produce better growth numbers going forward. Yeah, I mean, it, if this company had the profile, you know, the price to earnings multiple, the cash rich balance sheet, and there was growth here, even though they were small business, if you saw 30% plus growth, it would likely be a situation we'd be very interested in. Uh, when you see a lack of growth, the bottom line or the top line just growing at five and a half percent for the year and the bottom line basically flat, um, it doesn't uh, it doesn't give us uh, a reason to really just you know jump on the stock at any time. We'd like to see an increase in growth, particularly when you have a, re a small base. You know, you're under four million US in revenue for the year. Uh, if it was growing at 30, 50 percent, it would become quite industry interesting. But since the revenue is growing at, like I said, five and a half percent, that is a low growth rate, relatively speaking. We'd like to see some higher growth in the business before we got interested. So now we're going to move to our weekly star. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's star. 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 It is Parex Resources, Inc., symbol PXT on the TSX. Brennan, I'm going to let you take that. Thanks, Ryan. Okay, so uh, Parex is currently trading at a price of around $24.78, and it has a market cap of $3.5 billion. So Perix Resources Inc. is engaged in the business of exploration, development, production, and marketing of oil and natural gas in Colombia. The stock was up around 27% in the past month, uh, driven by enthusiasm after the company announced an oil discovery on one of its properties uh, on December 17th of 2019. Uh, and this newly found oil well was tested using an electric submersible pump and over a 76 hour period, a total of 4,750 barrels of 28 API oil was produced. Um, also looking longer term here, the company's share price has been performing quite well, driven by slow but steady upward trajectory uh, in its financial performance. 
Now, looking at the company's most recent financial performance, released November 6, 2019. This is Q3 2019, uh, all in US dollars, so keep that in mind. Revenue increased around 14% to $243.3 million compared to the same quarter last year. EBITDA increased 44.4% to $146 million compared to $101.1 million for the same quarter last year. And fully diluted earnings per share decreased 29% to $0.39 per share compared to $0.55 per share for Q3 of 2018. Taking a look at the company's balance sheet, they have very little debt and a net cash position of around $350 million, so very cash rich, which is great. Uh, and looking at the company's current valuation multiples, they are trading at a price to sales multiple of about 9.3 times trailing revenue and around 4.8 times trailing funds flow provided by operations or FFO. These multiples do appear to price Parex attractively, but they don't seem to be pricing much growth uh, going forward. As the company did provide FFO guidance for the 2020 fiscal year, which came in at US 520 to 550 million, which would provide a forward price to FFO multiple of around 5.1 times. So again, considering these numbers, limited growth is anticipated going forward for the 2020 fiscal year. Of the oil producers, we do like Parex Resources. They have a large cash position on its balance sheet, and their financials have shown an upward trajectory over the long term, despite net income being quite volatile. One of the biggest concerns that we have with the company, which keeps us from recommending it to clients at present, is their lack of growth going forward. Overall, the company's recent oil discovery and decent financial performance has propelled the stock higher and allowed Parex to claim our coveted status of star of the week. Yeah, that's a good summary. Parex is a company that one of the very few energy uh, service, not service providers, energy producers that we have actually recommended to clients in the past, uh, significantly lower prices and then sold out of it. Um, it it follows it has followed although listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange it has followed a completely different path than about ninety percent of the Western Canadian based uh, energy producers who are typically debt heavy and uh, really have been selling in you know in Western select prices at low prices we liked Parex in the past because it sold light sweet crude, uh, Brent crude oil on international markets, got a premium, typically historically, uh, to what you see. And uh, the company has always grown its operations out of existing cash flow uh, like we would like to see most businesses grow. Not every business can grow that way, but uh, this is an industry that can be capital intensive, but this company has been able to fund operations primarily through internally generated cash flow, which is tremendous well managed and great to see and they've built up now a significant cash position I do recall several years ago this company is basic had basically done a strategic review put itself up for sale uh, there hasn't been any buyers or buyers to their liking uh, that may be still something that the company is looking at uh, I'm uncertain on that as we don't cover it strictly right now it is one company though in this sector that you know has offers relatively good value with a good balance sheet. Having said that, as Brennan said, one of the things that would be a concern for us is the fact that the company does not have tremendous growth guidance for this year. Uh, it's going to generate a great deal of free cash flow this year, which is great, but we'd like to see 
growth in the business before we were recommending it. And uh, of course, if the price of oil moves negative on this company, it's not going to generate as much cash flow uh, just because, you know, and management can do everything right, but the price of the underlying commodity goes lower. Of course, the opposite is true. If you see the price uptick, you know, the company does better and you can see growth this year in terms of cash flow. So it is beholden to that underlying commodity. And that is one of the reasons why a long-term investment in any energy producer is very difficult to justify, uh, very difficult to have a buy and hold strategy on a company like this, even when you have a great balance sheet. So I think that's going to finish up our show for this week. Uh, I'd like to thank my co-hosts for hosting with me, Brennan and Aaron. I'd like to encourage all of you to continue to send your questions in to our Your Stock, Our Take uh, segment. We endeavor to answer all those questions. We're getting more and more, and it's great to see. Thank you all, and I wish you all a happy new year and profitable investing into 2020. Profitable investing.